you okay? I killed him. I killed my father. Joel? No. Yes, yes, I'm like that guy. Uh, who was it? Oh, was who? The guy in the Bible that killed his father. I don't know. Abraham? No, he was the one who almost killed his son. Oedipus? That's not the Bible. But he killed his father. And married his mother. Well, other than that, I'm that guy. Sure. But... I don't think it was you. Really. I think it was me. What? I did it. I killed Moish. You did not kill Moish. Our last conversation, I told him I couldn't pay him his money, and he literally told me he was having a heart attack. When was this? Two weeks ago. Pretty slow heart attack. But maybe I laid the trap for him to have a heart attack, got him started, and then you came in and finished him off. This is very comforting. You didn't kill your father. Well, neither did you. This, I'm so sorry. Thanks, pal. No, I mean... I killed your father, Joel. What? I lost the money. If that money hadn't gotten ripped out of my hands, oh, that's when all the trouble started. Greetings and welcome to the Men of Sorrow's Finding Joy podcast. I am William Lloyd, a man of sorrow, finding and experiencing joy. The Men of Sorrow's Finding Joy podcast is dedicated to helping men express their grief, to mourn with the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, to mourn with the hope of reunion, our way back to one another through the gospel of Jesus Christ and culminating on the new heaven and the new earth. Today, we're going to talk a little bit, we're going to talk about guilt, um, the need for control, the need for blame, blaming ourselves, things like that. Um, The title, Who Killed Moise, is from a TV show called The Wonderful Miss Maisel. Um, In that show, there's a woman named Midge who has an ex-husband named Joel, and Joel's father, Moish, 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 Joel's father, Moish, has a heart attack, and it looks like he's he's going to die. And he's at the hospital, and Joel is at the hospital, and Midge, is his ex-wife, comes running in, and he says to her, I killed, I killed my father, I killed him. And she said, no, you didn't. And then he gives a reason. He says, I told him that I was dating an Asian girl and that it was very serious. And you got to understand the background is they're they're a Jewish family and back in the 50s and he wanted his son to marry a Jewish girl. And an Asian was almost doing something really, really terrible, right? So he says, I killed my father. He had a heart attack when I told him about dating this Asian girl. She says, no, you didn't, because I killed him. And he said, what? She said, I killed him. I told him that I could not pay him the money back that he lent me, and that probably gave him a heart attack. And he said, that was two weeks ago. And she said, well, I probably got it started, and you finished him off. Then one of the men that works for Moish comes running in to to the waiting room at the hospital, and says, Joel, I'm so sorry. And he says, I know, I know. He goes, no, not that. I killed your father. <laughs> and he said, what? He said, yeah, I killed Moish. He said, um, I lost that money. He worked for Moish, and he was going to take money to the bank, and it got stolen. He says, I lost the money. So I killed him. So you see, oh, and it's kind of, it's a little bit of a satire on how, how guilt gets us all. But to me, as I watched it, it reminded me of many things. 
first of all, it reminded me of how guilty I felt after my son died. And I really did believe that it was all my fault. I really did. And that was very painful. That complicates things. Okay, there's, there's a lot of books on grief have sections in it on complicated grief. I would read those. If you're struggling with, with a complicated death, either suicide brings the biggest complications, but there are others. There's, there's when someone, when there's injustice, a family member's murdered, or death by a drunk driver is really a bitter pill to swallow. Those types of, of issues, those types of complications. But what I found after after Liam died, my grief was so, I mean, I, I knew what grief was. I knew what pain was. I knew what sorrow was when that happened. And I've mentioned it here before. I am an associate pastor with church, and I, I uh, officiated weddings and funerals, sat with families, and I had no idea really what they were going through. I knew they were in pain, but I didn't know what that felt like. And then when Liam died, when my son took his life, the devastation was enormous, first of all, because I love him and I miss him and he's gone. What complicated it was the self-blame. And that that took a while to get over. And it wasn't going to go away by itself. I needed to talk it out and flush it out. I figured, well, that I thought that was unique to me. I think we all think our grief is unique, but I thought the fact that because Liam took his life and because I felt so responsible, because I knew about his, you know, his fetal alcohol syndrome and the complications that he was having from the Marines and the night terrors, I, I knew these things. So I felt that if I was on the ball, I would have, could have, should have. So I, I blamed myself and I thought, well, in the case of suicide, that's probably common, that we blame ourselves. But what I found is that even if we don't blame ourselves, we have to find something to blame. Because I would switch over a lot to the fact, well, he was born with fetal alcohol syndrome, and his life was a miracle. He did all these great things, and it was the fetal alcohol syndrome that got him. That, that was it. That was, that was the reason. And so I always had to kind of find a reason. And you know what? Death is part of life. When deaths are sudden, this goes on a lot. I killed him, or this killed him, or that killed him. When a person lives a long life, and we look and say, well, you know, they died of old age, or, you know, it's inevitable. I found, what I found, in listening to some, some friends of mine, um, a friend whose mom died, she talked about what she could have done or what she should have done. And I was like, huh, I just figured that she was old and her time expired because we're all going to die. And I, I was listening to her and I was saying, wow, she's kind of looking for blame and blaming herself a little bit. Then I was keenly aware, um, it was soon after Liam died, that a friend of my daughter Grace's mother died and I was 
telling the son and the dad how sorry I was. And then I went and I was looking at pictures, so I wasn't eavesdropping. I could hear the whole conversation. And I heard him say, if we would have gone to the gym. This woman was, was young. She was probably like in her 40s and she died of a heart attack. And he said, if we would have, you know, went to the gym, ate better and exercised and not smoked as much, you know, and he was saying she, she could still be alive. She could still be alive. And there were other instances where I felt like the death was somewhat natural and it followed the natural course of events where people felt guilty and assigned blame either to themselves or some other entity, person, institution. And it really made me see that my grief counselor was right when he told me that what I was doing in my woulda, coulda, shoulda was looking for some type of control. Death makes us feel so powerless. We have no control over it. And a lot of times when there's events, if, whether I know someone who recently died from cancer and looking from the time of the diagnose to the, to the time of death, in two cases I know, one was a 71-year-old woman and the other was a 19, almost 20-year-old girl. Both people very dear to my family. We love them so much. And it was both the same kind of brain cancer that took both the 71-year-old and the 19-year-old. And in both cases, as I watched the events unfold, it just seemed like everything just unravels and you have no power you have no control over it you can't like go inside the person's body and choke cancer you can't fight it you can't get angry at it and beat it up <laughs> you know and it's it's so difficult because i especially in the case of the the 19 year old we love her so much that it just seemed to just avalanche and spiral out of control so what do we do? We look for reasons. We look for, for blame. We're, we're, we're grappling for some type of control. We're in shock. We're still in shock over... And we have to take reality in small doses. So it's, it's about control, but it's also about taking reality in small doses because... We are in such shock and our body is protecting us that if we absorbed all the pain of this loss all at once, we'd, we'd be shattered. And I remember that during my times of talking about I wanted to do this, we could have done this, if we would have done this, in your mind... In your thoughts, when you're saying that, the person is still alive. And it's our thoughts that fuel the emotions. So in a way, it's almost like bargaining. I know that we bargain when someone's alive to try to get God to keep them alive. But it's a little trick. And I really saw that. I saw that the more I talked about 
well, Liam was at this point in his life, we could have done this, that, and the other thing. And really what you're doing is you're making another outcome up in your mind. You're, you're predicting another outcome. And in that, in your mind, because your emotions only respond to what your thoughts are doing, in your thoughts, that person is alive in those scenarios. And the more I, the less I talked about it, the more I had to face the fact that my Liam was gone and he was never coming back in this life. I would never see him again, ever. We can only take that in small doses. So in a way, when we, we do the blame or what we could have done or should have done, we are in our minds, in that scenario, that person's alive and there's a different outcome. It's almost like creating an alternate universe. So number one, we, we, we're trying to grasp for control over something that just renders us powerless and we really have no control over. Number two, we're kind of cushioning the blow, facing the reality of the loss in smaller doses. It's a, it could be a type of denial or a type of bargaining. But what I found is that sometimes there's no easy answers. I mean, they're, they're, death is part of life, like I said that before. When, in the case of my dad, he was 82. Was it too soon? Yeah, it was too soon. I wish my dad was still here. But when he talked about it and when we talked about it, he was very satisfied that he lived a good long life. He had congestive heart failure for years and still had a quality of life during that time. And he he passed. Now, not everybody in my family accepted it as readily as I did. And that told me that, wow, you know, it's it doesn't matter the, the age. The thing that I'm driving at is that death is part of this life, and people die at all kinds of diff all different ages, different times, and in different ways. And it's usually the way that the person dies that brings the complications. But what I found is what the gospel of Jesus Christ teaches is that death came and death came into the world and God wanted to do something about death. Death is an enemy and God's going to defeat that enemy. And in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God defeated that enemy. He became man. He became the last Adam. <laughs> and the gospel is all about Jesus conquering sin and death. You look at the book of Acts where the early church apostles and disciples, they preached the resurrection. They emphasized the resurrection, which was the good news. And the good news is that we have eternal life in Jesus Christ. If we can accept that for whatever reason, God has let these chain of these chain of events of the whole human race, the effects of sin and death, the, the really we see it in in nature. You have spring, which is birth, 
re rebirth, spring, birth. You have summer full of life and vigor. You have fall of slowing down and then winter death. And then spring again. Life is a series of deaths and resurrections. And we are headed for a final resurrection in Jesus Christ. But again, what I'm driving at is if we can accept that death is part of life, tragic death, weird deaths. Do you know, and I, I'm sorry, you, you, I'm sorry, ladies, I'm sorry, but I really, I have to use this example. It's one of the most outrageous examples. I don't know, I don't know if when we're in, in the afterlife, and I, I don't see it as being irreverent about questioning like what it's going to be like in the afterlife. Will we talk about how we died on earth? Will that be part of our conversations and the way we talk in heaven? I don't know. You know, like, well, what got you here? I got eaten by an alligator. You know, I don't know. And I, but these questions do come into my mind because I think God wants us to imagine. He gave us creative imaginations and if it's a real place we can imagine we could be way off and there might be some things that we really get right and I was thinking about that like if we talk about it and there was a story that I heard about this man and I, I don't know exactly how it happened but he got into this argument that it was I think I believe it was in China and he got into this argument at the supermarket with this woman and she was some kind of martial arts expert or something. And he died because she squeezed his testicles. Squeezed them to the point of death. And I thought, what a way to, to enter, enter heaven. You know what I mean? Like when, when you die and then you're, you're face to face with Jesus Christ, ancestors, people. I'm like, like... Yeah, well, how what how did you get here? What happened to you? What was the circumstances under your death? I mean, people die from different reasons, for weird reasons, for things that seem unjust. Cancer is such a scourge in this world. And it's part of life. How we die is... Everyone, I wish everyone could just... Like, what was the scene in... Um, what was the scene in Titanic where, where Jack said to Rose, you're going to die old in a warm bed, you know, after living a fabulous, fulfilled life, right? That's what he was wishing for her. That's what he told her. And that's what we all want, right? We want to live and die in a warm, warm bed, right? Unless you're Lieutenant Dan from Forrest Gump. He was supposed to die in the blazing glory of the battlefield, you see. But you get you see what I'm saying, that when the when the circumstances around the death seemed like it should not have happened, we have to learn to accept that God allowed it. And remember, God, in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God turned this awful, horrible pain of separation and this horrible enemy of death he turned it into the gateway to paradise the gateway to heaven the gateway to the new heaven and the new earth 
We will all experience bodily resurrection one day. We are going to live in bodies forever and ever and ever. We're not going to be spirits floating around. I don't know how God does it. I don't know if the new body's waiting in heaven at the end of all things, if he's going to restore all things and restore our bodies. Even the, the dust that's been scattered all over the earth, he's going to glorify it and bring it from all ends of the earth. I don't know how God's going to do it, but his promises are real. And God's not going to fool us or hoodwink us. His promises are real that one day, we will be resurrected. One day we will be with God forever and ever and with our loved ones in beautiful ways. Go back and listen to some of the previous podcasts where we talked about witnessing to future glory. So the, what Jesus did is because of all these horrible deaths and the way people die and the circumstances that bring death and sorrow and mourning and pain, because of that, Jesus did what he did. He conquered sin and death. And when the circumstances don't seem like it, that should have never happened. It happened. Grace said of her best friend that died, this is unacceptable. And I let that sink in. And then I said to her, Grace, it was unacceptable to Jesus too. That's why. That's why he did what he did to give us eternal life and to defeat death. I remember I, I've said it on this podcast. I was bawling, bawling in my kitchen. Nobody was home, screaming in pain. And I cried out to God and said, I didn't want him to die. I don't know why those words came out. Not like that I could do anything about it. I said, I didn't want him to die. I didn't want him to die. And I heard that still small voice. I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me. Either did I. That's why I gave him eternal life. <laughs> and I, that, I know that was God because I instantly felt his peace. So we don't need, and we can do it. Hey, if you need to do it, I did it. And people told me I shouldn't do it. I did the woulda, shoulda, coulda dance for a long time. I did that dance. I went down the road of would have, could have, should have. It's my fault. And it always came, God let me go down that road. And I don't know if it was a circle <laughs> or a roundabout, but I kept coming back to the same. I kept circling back to the same thing. That God is sovereign. That he alone holds the keys of death. He alone, Jesus now, holds the keys of death. Do you know the scriptures say that not a sparrow falls to the ground? Not a sparrow falls to the ground that God doesn't see it. And he says, you are worth much more than sparrow. So I want you to think about it. If a sparrow dies, it, it flies into a window and breaks its neck or some, some mean kid shoots it with a BB gun and it dies, the sparrow dies, however it dies. God notices it and sees it. The death of our loved one did not take him by surprise. It does not take God by surprise at all. And if you ever think that your loved one died alone, they did not die alone. Jesus, attending angels, were with them. 
100%. I believe that with all my heart. I want to encourage you to bring all of those burdens, all of your would've, could've, should-haves, all of your blame, all of your guilt, bring it to God. Pour out your heart to God about it. He will speak to you. Don't underestimate your birthright as a child of God to hear his voice speak to you directly. Because everything that troubled me about Liam's death, God spoke to me directly and it brought peace and joy. I have joy. There's such beauty on the other side. Ginny Luther said that a few podcasts back and it's true, but it's the other side. You gotta go through hell. I had a great week, lots of joy and happiness and wonderful things happening with coworkers and, but Sunday afternoon, Carrie and I were sitting in our office just talking and then it hit me and she sees it, she sees it in my face. And she says, come here, darling. And she lets me just lay my head on her lap and cry like a baby. That happens, that happens often. But there's joy, there's peace. So I encourage you, bring it all to him and walk that road. Hey, email me, call me. If you want me to listen to your woulda, coulda, shoulda, I'll walk down that road with you. I'll walk it with you. I'll listen. I promise you I'll listen. All right. God bless you. Remember God's power is made perfect in weakness and nothing can ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Pray for one another. Lift one another up. All the mourners that tune in, I, I pray for you. And pray for one another, because we're all connected in God's great love. When my feet were slipping, Lord, you made my step sure. You saw to it, I walked through the right doors. Prove to me once again that I am yours Lord, you uphold me with your righteous right hand All things hold together at your command It is in your grace I now stand And Lord, you uphold me with your righteous right hand The spirit of life set me free from sin and death All requirements of the law are fully met The same power that raised Christ up from the grave Is living in me and he's mighty to save Lord, you uphold me with your righteous right hand All things hold together at your command It is in this grace I now stand, and Lord, you uphold me with your righteous right hand. In you I live and move and have my being, 
dwell in a place that no eye has ever seen From grace to grace and glory to glory It is for freedom that Christ has set me free Lord, you uphold me with your righteous right hand All things hold together at your command It is in this grace I now stand And Lord, you uphold me with your righteous right hand 